Well, let me just say, happy Resurrection Day. We don't hear it often, but maybe we'll hear it more after this. Oh, I left my poster there. Lita, you want to bring that up to me? We were told that we had a special gift awaiting us, each one on the pastoral staff team. And uh, this one's to Paul, you can tell. And uh, this comes from our youth. Uh, oh, thank you for all the great jokes on Sundays. I'm sure you are a great person. I agree. Just a lot of thank yous there. Oh, here's one from Emily. I think her grandparents influenced this one. We appreciate all the work you do for us. I love hearing you preach. You contribute so much to the church, and we are so thankful for you. Yeah, that, that one took a little thinking on that one. But uh, each one of us got one of these and uh, kind of made my day when I got it. Uh, of course, I wasn't too sure about last Sunday when a couple of fellows showed up. They were kind of disappointed because the funny guy wasn't preaching. And uh, I got to thinking about that. I'm not sure I like that reputation, you know, as I said Last time I preached, the response was either, uh, have you thought of a career as a stand-up comedian? Well, no, I haven't. The other was, uh, thank you for proclaiming the word of God to us in a powerful way. And if it was power, powerful, it's because of the Holy Spirit. Well, I'm going backwards. Just want to let you know that. I preached on Acts chapter 5, last time I preached, and uh, today I'm preaching from Acts chapter 4. So uh, take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to it, and uh, let me get my bearings here to see how I'm doing on my preaching. I want to see what's up here. Oh, okay. I wanted to see if, if I had to read the whole thing or if just read that one verse. But we're going to read that one verse, and then we're going to uh, take a look at the context and ask, uh, am I in step with what the Holy Spirit was doing in the book of Acts? The text is, with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully At work in them. I'd like for that verse to be written on a poster to each of the pastors. That's the type of thing that I believe that you would want to have a reputation for in your life. That God's power is working in you, within you, through you. Well, let's start. Number one. As I take a look at this chapter, 
I'm reminded that resurrection power is to be experienced in the present tense. You see, we begin to understand right from the beginning that resurrection was their focus. Notice verses 1 and 2. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Sometimes we have a longing for the good old days. Now, the term you have to fill out is longing. Uh, as we go to the next one, go ahead and, and, and just put that there. Because uh, longing, well, Heather said, let's use that word. Because I, I use some educational terms, you know, some sophisticated terms. Something like uh, Bob Smith would use as he teaches Greek class, Sam. Uh, words like uh, the Greek word hankering. Or pining. But so many times when it comes to faith, when it comes to the church, when it comes to our spiritual lives, we have a hankering, a pining, a longing for the good old days. But regarding that, I'd like to make this observation. Our good old days might not have been all that great. You see, I have a faulty memory. We're finding that out more and more these days. But most of us have selective memory. And every once in a while, I will find people who have an uninformed memory. They'll remember what was great. They'll remember the things that were powerful. They'll remember the emotional highs. But they'll forget about all the garbage that might have been associated with it. As we take a look at... God's word here, (laughs) we have to understand that Acts chapter 5 follows chapter 4. Isn't that deep? And chapter 6 follows chapter 5. And each of these chapters reveals tremendous problems. Now, that's not all they reveal. But every single one of them, right from verse 1, you begin to see that these were not what we would call good old days if this was all that there was taking place. In this chapter, chapter 4, verse 3, they laid hands on them, put them in jail. We go to chapter 5, and we read about... That couple that I preached about the last time I preached, Ananias and his wife, Sapphira, who had lied 
to the Holy Spirit regarding their giving. And then you go to chapter 6. And there were some complaints that began to arise. Kind of a prejudicial thing that began to happen. Uh, Relational problems and difficulties. Preference given to one group of people over another. And, And the point I want to make is... is that the good old days that oftentimes we are longing for were just like the book of Acts. I, I, yeah, people say, oh, I, I wish we could just live in the book of Acts. Oh, really? Which of those problems do you want to be involved in? And there's more to come as we go through the scriptures. We begin to follow the missionary journeys of the Apostle Paul. He didn't even know he was on missionary journey number three. He was just going. You see, he knew how to go. He knew how to determine the will of God. I've shared this with people. But here's how Paul usually determined he ought to move. He would wake up in a pool of blood. His body would hurt like crazy and there would be stones on the ground. And he wouldn't even pray about it. He said, I think I'm going to the next town. And yet we make such a big deal about, oh, I've got to pray through on something. No, you might just have to get going. Well, next slide. <laughs> Your good old days are probably not God's good old days. I mean, I know what it's like. Got a new pastor and we're thinking, oh, maybe... I can say this to this crowd. Maybe we'll have our teen choir again and we can sing the Paul Skiles arrangements once more. Some of you were teenagers when that phenomenon took place. (laughs) A lot of times, and I heard this, there were people who were looking for someone who would take us back to 1955. Or 65. You know, we're kind of, well, we're not realistic about the good old days. Excuse me, I've got a call on my cell phone here. This is a smartphone. You see, we want to be in on the times. We want to use the technology and someday we'll even catch up with our, our, our guest. At, what was his name? Buzz? Buzz Lightyear? But the good old days have nothing to do with technology. They don't even have anything to do with the types of songs that we sing. I don't know about you, but I'm singing the peppy songs that we used to sing slower and slower all the time. You you, you see, what I want to have us do is not return to my good old days or your good old days. Let's go back farther to the book of Acts, where God's good old days take place. And even then, we can't stay there, because you have chapter 
1, you have to chapter 2, you have chapter 3, you have chapter 4, you have chapter 5. Keeps on unfolding new opportunities to respond to the grace of God. And nobody got stuck where they were. They just had to move on. Because God was at work in their lives. By the way, even a teenager can say, why can't things be like they used to be? Referring maybe to a previous youth pastor or an activity that they used to be involved in. And yet, Isaiah 43, 18 through 19 gives us this challenge. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And friends, I have to be honest with you. God help me if I ever say I'm hankering for the good old days. I want to see God do some new things. I want God to move in a new way. I want God to be evident in in powerful new ministries. So how do we experience this resurrection power? In the present tense. Well, let's go to point number two. God's grace will empower us in the here and now. You you see, when we were in verse 33, it said where they had great power, they continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord, to the uh, resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was upon them. In all of this mess that was taking place, we see that God's grace, God's power was at work within us, within them, within the church, people of God. And and God's grace is not just mercy. I, I used to hear that. Well, God's grace is his mercy, his forgiveness. Yes, it is. But the Apostle Paul lived with the concept that God's grace was God's activity through us. His power within us, propelling us to these new days that God has in mind for us. We also see that grace enables us with continuing power. I I like that concept. And God's grace was at work within them. But it says that they continued to testify To the power of the resurrection. Years ago I was up in Idaho. In the good old days. And I preached at boys camp. Well I didn't really preach. I told a story. And the first night that I told the story. You see, it was a continued story. And it was full of intrigue and excitement. Must have been because they asked me to preach for nine straight years at the same camp. And, and so that first night I told this story. Then I thought I'd give the little boys an opportunity to respond to an invitation. But when I said, and tomorrow... I'll tell you the rest of the story. They began hissing and booing. 
and yelling out, we want to hear it now. And so we didn't have a very good invitation. So we changed the format of that whole thing, and I told the story at a different time. But for some reason, we like continued stories. To be continued. Oh, there's a frustration there. Oh, I want to know now what was taking place. But they began the story, and they continued to testify to the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The scripture says that it was with great power the apostles continued to testify. It was in the context of tough days and difficulties. That leads me to the third point. Jesus within will release courage and boldness. You see, this was a courage that can be traced to Jesus. We all have character qualities. Some of us even have some positive ones. And uh, whenever they say something about, here's what I like about you. And they say what it might be. You're pretty. It's not a character quality. It's an attribute that will change over time. Let me let you in on a secret. It will. But when they say you're honest or you're a person of integrity, not hearing that too much on the political scene these days, but whatever it is that is a positive character quality, it needs to be traced back to Jesus if it's going to have an impact upon our world at all. It says here, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled. I'm glad that's in there. They were ordinary men. They were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. Wow. You know, when people notice just how wonderful and neat you are, does it lead them back to Jesus? We read here that there are some qualities that were released. Boldness that is released when threatened. Those of you who have children, little children, when they're first born, it's interesting, you know, when Heather was born, they said, oh, how cute, how sweet. I don't remember anyone saying, oh, what a bold baby. I don't think anyone said, oh, look at that beautiful little girl, how courageous she is. Now, I know what you're thinking. Well, she had, you as a father, she had to be courageous. But uh, it says in verses 29 through 31, Now, Lord, 
Consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. I noticed within myself, and I've noticed it a time or two from you, that we all seem to have an aversion to problems and difficulties, challenges and trials. You know, if you're going to be bold or courageous, there has to be a context in which that boldness and courage comes forth. Boldness usually doesn't take place in happy circumstances. Courage doesn't come to the forefront when things are going your way. It's in the challenges and difficulties of life, even in church life, that we see these things take place. If, if the qualities that would exemplify Jesus just end with me with a compliment, that's a problem. But if the qualities that you and I have can be traced to Jesus, and when in the tough times and difficult situations we find ourselves, these qualities begin to come to the forefront because the Holy Spirit is at work within us, then that is something of a good old day that I would enjoy. Well, we're going to meet an individual. His name is Barnabas. Point number four. God's grace will move us to generous love. Now, last week, Pastor Larry mentioned that there was one book in the New Testament that did not have the word love in it. So I went on one of my computer programs, something left over from the good old days, and uh, did a study for it. I have a program that just put a word in there and say, search for this. So went to the book of Acts and search for love. Didn't show up. I thought, well, maybe there's something wrong with the program. So I put the term Holy Spirit in. All kinds of verses came up. So I think Pastor Larry was right. The word doesn't show up, but he is very clear to point out that the actions, the, the expressions of love were certainly there. Now that wonderful verse that we read... There was more to it. It said in verse 33 and then verse 34, And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them, all that, were, that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales 
laid it at the feet of the apostles. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, want, I want God's grace to be working in me. I, I, I want the powerful grace of God to be at work within me. Well, if you're going to say that, you better hang on to your wallet. Because one of the characteristics that begins to come out as people are letting the grace of God work in their lives is that they become very aware of the needs of others. You see, giving flows from a life that has been transformed. We don't know a whole lot about Barnabas as far as his past, where he came from. There are some who assume that he might have been educated with, with Paul uh, at Tarsus, where they, where they were raised and came from. And uh, they could have both been tutored by Gamaliel. It's most likely that they developed a relationship before the book of Acts, but there's nothing that really says that took place. But what we do know is that something took place within the life of Barnabas for him to recognize that something took place within the life of Saul of Tarsus. And I got to thinking about my own life. Yes, the Lord has transformed me. Yes, the grace of God has forgiven me. But does it reach down far enough into my life where I recognize God is at work in the lives of others, even at the beginning when they're all rough, when they're not exemplary of all the things that we have on our to-do list spiritually. So here was this man. He had a name change too, Joseph. And they called him Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. Others say son of exhortation. But he sold a field, a field he owned, and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. And it leads me to say that when God is working within us through his grace, he opens our eyes, hearts, and pocketbooks. So that we can be in on some of the great miracles that the Lord has in store for you and me. The good old days, yeah. If we go back to the book of Acts, those are good days. But even there, you couldn't stay in the same chapter. You keep moving, you keep moving, you keep moving. A number of years ago, I was in a, a service Well, I'll read from this chapter in the book of Acts. Perhaps you might want to turn there with me as well. Would you turn to Acts chapter 29? And when you have it, would you stand? We'll have a little sword drill here, you know, Bible sword drill, like back in the good old days. Anybody found? Are you there? Acts chapter 29? Well, there's Carl. Did you find it? What's the problem, Carl? 
Thank you. And he's exactly right. Because you and I get to write it. Yeah, the good old days. But eventually, Acts chapter 28 became part of the good old days. And we're talking about God doing something new. It's a great opportunity to have a new pastor coming. You know, I've already decided to like him. Some of you ought to think about that. He doesn't have to prove a thing to me. I've already decided to like him. When we were getting ready to go to seminary, we had a number of ex-preachers in our congregation in Covina where we were serving as youth pastors. And they decided they needed to take Alita and I aside and explain to us how we ought to change our our career path, that we don't, you don't want to go back to seminary. I noticed that this advice was coming from people who had quit seminary once they got there. I'd rather hear from somebody who finished it. But here they were, talking about, you don't want to do that. And one of them said, you know, Kansas City is the armpit of the nation. They're talking about how humid it was. How harsh the winters were. And I got to thinking about how we approach both people and situations. By the way, for Alita and I, Kansas City was wonderful. It was a place where we established and started our first church, Blue Springs Church of the Nazarene. It was a place where I got my education. I was kind of slow. I had to go to seminary. It's a three-year program. I, I finished it in four. And I majored in God's grace. Well, that's what you had to experience aside from the classroom, although there were a few classes that I got a good grade by the grace of God. But uh, you and I, as we approach the uncertain, the difficulties, so easy, oh, you don't want to go there, or you don't want to like them, or do you know what I heard about? We used to call that gossip, by the way. The Bible says don't do it. But I've already decided I'm going to embrace the future. I've already decided that, let's see, Alita's dad is 95. I'm 70. Help me with my math. I've got how many more years? If Yeah, 25 more years. You see, they, that even qualifies for long-term investment lingo. It's not over whatever age you are. By the way, he's on hospice. What's funny is the people who are helping him, ministering to him physically, are having the time of their life. The chaplain comes now to get spiritual care from him. 
Good old days? I think not. My kids used to get tired of me when people would ask, So, how are you doing today? How's your day going? And they would say, Oh, Dad, you always say the same old thing. Well, today's the best day of my life. Try this one. Say, how are things going? Just go, it's the best day of my life. Yesterday's gone. Tomorrow's not here. Today is a gift of God. And that's why we call it the present. As we live out Acts chapter 29. I don't know what God has in store for you or what he has in store for me. If there are tough days and difficult days, it's because he's already given us the kind of boldness and courage we need to encounter whatever may, whatever comes. But I have an idea that God just wants to say to Mission Church, get ready. There's going to be some phenomenal things take place, but it's going to going to take some doing on your part. Be committed. When troubles come, difficulties come, when trials face you, God can do his best work. And he wants to include you and me in what he has in mind. In these, the good new days that he has in store for us. Pray with me, if you will. Heavenly Father, we thank you for resurrection. Probably most of us, when we were asked, how did things go today at church? When people ask that later, we might not even use the word resurrection. Perhaps we haven't talked about resurrection in a long time. Oh, we talk about holidays and Christmas. We use words like Easter. We even talk about harvest, festival. We use terms like that. Lord, help us to get into the resurrection mindset. May those who come to our services be impacted by the message of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. May the fact that we have been promised the gift of eternal life ring out from everything that we do. When difficulties come our way, my prayer is that boldness, courage, could be traced to Jesus. Thank you for this privilege that we've had to be in this service. Thank you for what you're doing in the here and now. We pray in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.